because you get stimulated by someone else's idea and you build on that, that really helps and stimulates creativity or really coming up with amazing ideas. Innovations like this can actually save people's lives. It's amazing. And when they saw that we are actually working on it and they could see early versions of the prototype, they were so grateful to us. They're like, you know, like, great that you guys are actually working on it because we really need it. This is The Spark, a podcast about the mind at work. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Jonathan Gruber. Today, how low-resource countries struggle to invent health solutions and what undreamed solutions lie in waiting. Sometimes The Spark hits someone in isolation, and sometimes it spreads like wildfire. Pavan Dadlani has partnered with healthcare workers in Kenya, Ethiopia, and Uganda using his spark to help them find theirs as they bring care to their communities. My name is Pavan, Pavan Dadlani. I work at Philips Research. Well, here we are right now at uh, Philips Research in the high tech campus. It is supposed to be the smartest square kilometer in the Netherlands. I'm a senior scientist um, working on projects related to innovations for rural areas, for Africa and for Southeast Asia. I also work on a project uh, related to engaging patients to take a more active role in their care. And we are sitting just next to the Africa Innovation Hub, where we do innovations for rural areas, for low resource settings. You should know that Pavan gets a kick out of problem solving. Searching for solutions is the spark that ignites his creative fire. To him, it seems like every country is a place of endless potential, budding and blooming. What you have here, it's a, it's a baby doll. It's an African baby doll. Some say it's Ethiopian, some say it's Ugandan, some say it's Kenyan. I don't know. We use it all the time for demonstration purposes. So it's got a diaper on, uh, as you can see. It even... I don't even know if it's a... Oh, yeah, it's a male, as you can see. <laughs> uh, what we have here is a, um, a device. It's called the Children's Automated Respiration Monitor. It's a size 5 by 5 by 2 centimeters or so. It's used for supporting community health workers. So imagine you are in the middle of Africa or Southeast Asia. You have uh, sick children showing up at the door of these community health workers. It is well known that pneumonia, which is an infection of the lungs, is one of the biggest killers of children under five. Uh, in fact, every 30 seconds, a child dies of pneumonia. And it is well known that it's a most, one of the most solvable problems uh, in the global health. Well, what we've created is a device that would help the community health workers in the diagnosis of pneumonia. So if I switch it on, the health worker has to first choose the age group of the child. So you keep selecting the age group. Let's just say that uh, this uh, child, this little baby, is uh, six months old. Let's put it first around the baby. So put it in around the strap. So it goes on the child's belly. They have to use a what's called two-finger rule, and that is so that it's not too tight. The device counts breaths for about a minute or so. And if it is above a particular threshold, then it will alarm and say, hey, the child has what's called fast breathing according to this particular age group. 
And this is based on World Health Organization clinical guidelines. And then this is used then for the community health worker to decide whether to treat or not to treat according to the, what the device tells and according to what other symptoms, if the child is coughing or difficult to breathe, difficult to eat, maybe difficult to sleep. So eventually they will get a result and then accordingly they can decide whether to treat or not. If the child was uh, sick, then you will get a red alert and blinking. Do you want to see it? Sure. I've simulated a very fast breathing child, so we should get a, a red alert. There you are. So you see it's suddenly 86 breaths per minute. 86 for a six-month-year-old is considered as fast breathing. If you look at what they use today, they don't have any of this because of a whole bunch of yeah, challenges that they face. They take shortcuts, they do some guesstimate. If the health worker has an inaccurate breath count, that leads to underdiagnosing or overdiagnosis of pneumonia, which obviously leads to potentially the child dying. There are like every 30 seconds, there is a, a child dying of pneumonia out there. So you don't want this to be the one of those kids, right? Closed systems mean limited resources. So Pavan also looks for ideas out in the field, meeting the actual end user and others who could benefit from his work. This is how he keeps the door open to insights. When we went to, um, to East Africa, that was Kenya, Ethiopia and Uganda, and we had these focus group sessions with five to seven health workers. When I told them that what we are working on, you could immediately see their faces glow and lighten up uh, when they say like, ah, finally, finally we get this coming up soon. And it so happened that uh, apparently a couple of years earlier, they were involved in some brainstorm discussions with uh, UNICEF uh, about their needs. And they had drawn on a piece of paper a concept of a device that could uh, automatically get your breathing rate. But they, didn't, they couldn't have ever imagined that one day this would actually happen. So for them, it was just a dream. And when they saw that we are actually working on it and they could see early versions of the prototype, they were so grateful to us, that, like, you know, like, great that you guys are actually working on it because we really need it. That is quite satisfying. You realize that how meaningful this is for them, not only for saving lives, but it will make their job also much, much easier. <laughs> I'm just moving their little hands up and down. It, it, <laughs> I remember when we won, um, we won an award for this device and I just placed the doll like this, like as if their hands are up with the device on it in a celebration format. Wherever we go, you know, wherever we go with this, uh, with this doll in Africa or anywhere we go in the, with the global health community, everybody's like, you know, oh, it's so cute of the doll and all that, you know, they almost forget the device and like, no, hey, you know, it's about the innovation, you know, for, the, for these children. So um, that is really cute. <laughs> Pavan is a disciplined idea machine. He gets up early so he can generate ideas uninterrupted. He also talks to friends and colleagues to find inspiration. I do consider myself creative. In fact, that was one of the main criteria to join Philips. After coming here, I'm, um, I'm quite delighted to be uh, surrounded by very creative people. I get up really early and, I, and that's when I do a lot of my creative work, actually, by myself. But at the same time, during the working days, we have these creative workshops and we typically try to build on each other's ideas. 
because you get stimulated by someone else's idea and you build on that, that really helps and stimulates creativity or really coming up with amazing ideas. And it has to be really in a, in a creative workshop, not in a meeting in one of those like stand-ups or, or updates, but really in those creative workshops that we typically have together with research and design colleagues. And that's when we, we use creative methods you know, posters on the walls, very colorful. And then you try to build really on, on each other's ideas. And that is really what stimulates creativity as well. Typically in a brainstorm session or in a workshop, creative workshop, the rule of the thumb is that you don't criticize others' ideas, right? You put it down on paper and um, in the future steps, in the follow-ups where you start to use, okay, more objective criteria and say like, okay, now how should we go about deciding what's the best approach? And you do that on a consensus basis. And that's how you can, you know, without being too sensitive about it, um, well, because my idea or your idea, no, it shouldn't be like that. During a creative workshop, you have to have an open mind, regardless of whoever says what. But you put it down, and it's only in the follow-up steps with a well-thought criteria that you start to choose, okay, the way forward. When the project started, that was in 2013, we did field work in East Africa. So we went to Ethiopia, Uganda, and Kenya, to the most remote areas. We spoke to close to 100 different types of target users, be it health workers at the community, hospital health workers or facility health workers, and members of the global health community to help us in giving feedback. We went to Chiangkwanzi. It's a very remote village in, in Uganda. The moment we went there, it was obvious that um, they haven't seen a lot of foreigners for a very long time. You get a whole bunch of kids from running from everywhere. They just come to closer to the car to see, you know, who's there. And but it, what was really nice is to um, the lifestyle, the, the humility, the things that would make them happy. We visited hospitals in these rural areas for observations to see how things are happening more in a passive role. So they gave us a tour around the, the patient wards or the ICU. And it, it's quite shocking what they do with the current facilities. It's quite shocking the poor equipment they have or sometimes they have um, new equipment, but it's just lying in the corner. Why? Because they don't know how to use it. They're not trained to use it, or there are parts which need to be replaced, which they don't have, but they got it as a donation from somewhere. So I thought that that was such a pity. I mean, and I'm sure, you know, some countries or some donors must have been really happy to give this equipment away, but they don't realize really what the real needs are. You have to think about consumables or replaceable parts. This doesn't work in these areas. The supply chain is not there. You have to provide equipment that is really tailored to these settings. For example, if you have a device that uh, requires replaceable batteries, then it would work. Why? Because some of these health workers might actually tamper the device and use the batteries for completely something else. And otherwise, where will they get the new batteries? They would have to spend it from their own pocket. They will never do that. And there is no adequate supply chain of these consumable parts. It needs to be as much as possible easily rechargeable, solar powered maybe, or something that does not require recharging. So you have to really make it really for their capabilities. And also portable. 
they don't have an office. They don't have a consultation room or an exam room. No. They are literally on their own. They have a backpack at the, the most. So you have to make it really portable, easy to carry, easy to handle. But of course, it has to be extremely, extremely cheap. And it has to have a viable business case. When we started as an exploratory project, and then after a year, year and a half, that was when the Africa Innovation Hub was created, specifically to create these type of solutions for rural areas. So you do not need to have the, the nice interfaces or nice touch screens and all that. That's not necessary. You need to make a device that is good enough. Pavan, you're going to save babies. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> <laughs> This project has really uh, touched me personally. It has given me the opportunity to go out there in the field to see and experience what these health workers have to go through on a daily basis because I really like to see that what I'm doing has such an impact of making people's lives better. Saving lives, if I can, with these innovations, making sure that what I do on a day-to-day -day is actually meaningful. Pavan says he yearns to see his work out there, benefiting the people it's designed for. He's aware things could be better and wants to do what he can to make it happen. For him, the ultimate reward is sharing the fruits of his labor with as many people as possible. Some medical devices are so poorly designed that they don't take into account the end user. It leads to medical error. And that can, of course, kill someone. And it happens. How, how do you know? Oh, there are thousands of people. This is well uh, documented in the literature. It's uh, thousands of people die every single year due to avoidable medical error. So this was in 2002 that I came across this fact. Over 90,000 people die of avoidable medical error. I don't remember the exact analogy of how many planes that is equivalent to crashing every week or something. And when you think of that analogy, suddenly it starts to like, oh my God, this is really a big issue. So we have this, what we call the children's automated respiration monitor. I feel that this is actually one of the most impactful things that, that I've had in my life, I would say. When we went to Uganda, when we were doing some of the field work for this, the, but this was back in 2013, at that time it appeared to be like a joke because it was so early in the project, so exploratory, we didn't know how this was going to go forward. Together with the team, we said like, hey, if this goes one day to the market, we should actually come back here to this village, this village in Chiangkwansi in Uganda, take a box of these devices and see it working. This time I will not uh, see it just on a doll. I will see it on real children in real practice. It would be a day that I've been waiting for a very long time. The hope that day will come very soon. I've always wanted to work on projects for emerging markets. So, Why? because I know there's a big need over there. I myself come from a developing country. Uh, my parents come from uh, developing countries. I'm from Peru, my parents are from India. I grew up in some of these areas. I've seen how the lack of um, either access to care or the lack of right equipment to something that everybody should be able to have access to, um, that we all enjoy over here. So if I can make a difference in, in creating these devices that can improve their lives, it's amazing. 
What's your ultimate reward when it comes to work? Maybe you're still searching. Well, here's a tip if you're looking for rewarding work. Check out careers.phillips.com. I'm Jonathan Gruber, and you've been listening to The Spark. Next time we meet... It can be discouraging when people tell you, hey, they don't think this is going to work, but you believe in it yourself. Kenya stood out. That's a place where there's really a track record of interesting innovations. The tough part was, how do you then take these ideas to the next stage? I'm crazy enough to think that it's possible to create businesses that create financial and social value at the same time. Uh, why is it important for me? I think it's, it's the right thing to do. When you've seen this as close hand and, um, and really experienced this situation, it becomes much harder to ignore it. Initially, they think, no, that's not going to work. You're crazy. I, for me, that's an encouragement. You've been listening to The Spark, a podcast produced by the Philips recruitment team, available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Innovation and you. Philips.